This episode is brought to you by CyberArk. CyberArk is the global leader in identity security. As cyber adversaries continue to pose a threat to information systems, particularly those used by the U.S. federal government, CyberArk can help reduce ransomware attacks by protecting credentials, browser cookies, passwords, and other security tokens from compromise. Learn why the world's leading organizations trust CyberArk to help secure their most critical assets. Visit our website at www.cyberarc.com. Welcome to CyberCast, decoding today's cyber issues. I'm Alexander Bolova, production lead at GovCIO Media and Research. With me today is Editor-in-Chief Amy Kluber. Hi, Amy. Hello, hello. You had the chance to chat with Jeff Spaeth, Deputy CISO and Executive Director for the Information Security Office at VA. How'd it go? It went really well. I was honored to be Jeff's first podcast interview. So there's that. It was a great conversation. And he's actually a boomerang to VA. He was at VA, left and did the private sector a little bit, and now is back. Very interesting. We always love having first-time podcast appearances. So tell me a little bit about what you discussed in your interview. So he gave us a good look at what he's prioritizing in the security landscape at VA. And listeners might recall VA cyber strategy. They actually have a couple of different ones. The first one is the overall cyber strategy, and it has five goals basically outlined in it. It includes everything from, you know, securing, protecting VA and veteran information, protecting information systems, leveraging innovation, um, empowering the workforce and enhancing those cyber partnerships, et cetera. And then they have the zero trust first strategy, which you might guess it is all about prioritizing zero trust in that cyber strategy. So Jeff kind of broke down what he's thinking about in regard to these guardrails and with zero trust being a big priority in that, how he's thinking about technology and uh, some of the emerging technologies that he's excited about that might make a difference in this space. Very exciting. Before we jump into the interview, is there anything in particular that you want to highlight or note for our listeners? I think one of the things I'd like to highlight is his discussion on AI. I know it's everyone's focus right now and what's really top of mind for him. So I thought it was interesting to hear what he thought about AI and especially things with like chat GPT, how he sees that impacting how he's thinking about technology at VA. Yep. The omnipresence of AI conversation continues. <laughs> well, thank you, Amy. With all of that in mind, let's take a listen to your conversation. Jeff, welcome to CyberCast. I'm so excited to kind of dig into some of your cybersecurity priorities at Department of Veterans Affairs. So thanks for joining us. Thank you, Amy. I'm very happy to be here. So first, I noticed you're a bit of a, a boomerang at the agency. You kind of uh, went back and forth from private to public. So what brought you back? Um, actually, the reason I came back, and this was a, a long, uh, I wouldn't say debated, but a, a discussion. Um, between myself and my family, but being a veteran, having served at the VA, having served within the military, I felt that coming back to the VA was 
the best thing I could do, not only for our country, but for the veterans that we serve. Oh, well, thank you for your service. I certainly appreciate that as a army brat myself. It hits pretty close to home. And I love uh, talking through some of the the mission priorities, especially with uh, folks at VA, because I feel like that's always uh, very prominent when someone has served and getting to serve back in this capacity. So in regards to the cybersecurity landscape, what are some of the latest trends that are maybe top of mind for you? And kind of what are you focused on in your role as Deputy CISO? So within my role, Deputy CISO of Information Security Operations, uh, some of the big trends that we're noticing um, is definitely zero trust architecture. It's not only important to the operations, but it's very important to our CISO. Um, the other thing that we're, we're seeing is the use of AI, artificial intelligence. And we're seeing it not only for the use of good, but also looking at it from the threat actor's perspective and how do we secure against that. And then the other thing is the behavioral response. A lot of things that are going on in our network, how do we use that kind of behavioral or security automation and orchestration to, to uh, better protect the systems and our perimeters? Very interesting. I know it's been a little, or almost a year, since the zero trust first cybersecurity strategy came out. So it's certainly interesting to hear how zero trust is playing out across government right now and at VA. How do you see that really helping meet some of the cybersecurity priorities, especially as you're referring to it in the face of artificial intelligence and kind of how that's becoming more of a, a danger, I guess, more so than helpful if you're not careful with securing it? Yeah, well, we haven't seen any true attacks or, or any threat actors using it yet. And, you know, our perspective is it's on, it's on the horizon and we need to protect against it. Zero trust at the VA is our North Point. You know, we are, or I guess our North Star, I should say better. We are taking it very seriously. We have implementations that are going on, looking at multi-factor authentication, identity and access management, network segregation, as well as endpoint protection, and then looking at how do we secure, monitor, and analyze our perimeter both on-prem and in the cloud environments and taking zero trust architecture into those folds. And then what mandates align with the zero trust architecture, such as you know, logging enhancement, uh, retention policies that uh, we need to be concerned about, not only for our protection, our monitoring, but also, you know, the budgets that align with that and how do we best use monies to make, make sure we meet all those mandates. Definitely. That kind of brings up the question, how do you buy cybersecurity, which is uh, always challenging when you're trying to prioritize, you know, tech innovation, but then also bringing in that security element. So I kind of want to go into more of the challenge aspect. I know with VA being the largest integrated healthcare system, I imagine that's quite a challenge when it comes to securing that landscape. So can you talk through what some of those challenges are and, and maybe some of the recent wins that you can point to that have uh, helped overcome those challenges? Sure. As you stated, Amy, you know, the VA is a massive organization. We're about the size of a Fortune 10 company, the largest healthcare provider in the country. We have about 400,000 employees using 1.2 million endpoints at over 2,000 locations. 
And those all interface with over a thousand systems. There's, the BA is one of the most complex enterprises to wrap cybersecurity around. Our risk profile is huge and our security challenges are constantly evolving. We have new attacks daily on our, our infrastructure. I would say an organization as large as the VA needs and requires a lot of resources to focus on cybersecurity and security excellence. So we do that so we can maintain the veterans trust, we can secure our systems to maintain their data, protect it. Um, some of the things that we're doing is not always within, I would say, purchasing new tools, but actually going through rationalizing tools, understanding what they do, what services they provide to us, and then what's the best bang for the buck that we can get out of those tools and our resources with our staff. Definitely. So I kind of want to go into some of those tools you referenced a little bit. You mentioned, you know, threat detection and some of the things that you're leveraging, especially to fulfill things like zero trust. So can you go into more of what tools you're leveraging to improve like the analysis of the cyber threat landscape and what you're prioritizing moving forward? So one of the things that we do, especially with analyzing the cyber threat landscape is bringing all of, you know, we have a lot of tools at our disposal, um, taking those tools, bringing in new expanded monitoring and analysis, bringing in security or orchestration and automation to actually help enhance the way those tools are utilized, taking less stress off of some of our repetitive tasks and focusing our personnel and other tools that we have within the enterprise to use to the best of their capabilities. Um, some new tools that you know, we're looking at are how do we expand out you know, our on-prem and cloud environments to uh, you know, do the segregation, do the perimeter, do the monitoring, do the analysis, and then how do we bring all of that in to a centralized location and actually do the logging requirements, do the ticketing, do the incident response. Awesome. And I know you mentioned earlier, you know, endpoint security, and especially with the vast, you know, size and breadth of what that means at VA. How are you thinking about endpoint security, especially in the face of cloud modernization and kind of the priorities around connecting some of those disparate endpoints? So our endpoint protection programs and, and tools that we're looking at um, without going into detail about, you know, naming specific tools. Um, we're looking at them to meet the requirements that ensure our strategies in securing the VA data, both on-prem in the cloud. How do we get those? How do we use, you know, cloud access security brokers? And then how do we make sure that we are purchasing uh, tools or implementing tools that not only work in, you know, in the actual physical environment within, but also the virtual or cloud environment. And that's all done to secure our data, our users, our systems that, you know, provide services to our veterans and their dependents. Definitely. I want to touch a little on some of your past experiences and uh, maybe not necessarily getting into any specifics, but in terms of comparing your experience in the private sector and now coming back into the VA, like, has, has there been anything in the cyber world that you've learned or kind of 
jumping into VA, you've been able to apply some of those experiences and be able to tackle things immediately in the cyber realm? So it's kind of funny. I actually, when I left the VA, I left and went to the commercial world thinking that the commercial world was so far advanced beyond the, the federal government. And I got into the commercial world and actually realized that there's many systems that are legacy, their protections, um, you know, while they have the ability to probably do procurements a little bit quicker, um, they're not always, you know, they're, they're, they run into the same problems that we at the VA and probably most of the federal government do. They have a lot of tools. They don't know what those tools are doing. They're not rationalizing. And their people, I won't say they're not experts within their fields, but they're, you know, when you have a thousand tools, your, your administrators, your security, you know, experts can't be experts in everything. And so not being able to fully utilize tools to the best of their ability is actually a big hindrance in the commercial marketplace. So one of the things bringing back into, you know, the environment of the VA is understanding how one to utilize tools to the best of their ability, get the, the most cost effective measures out of them. And then probably I'd say the other thing that I see the commercial world doing a little bit quicker than the federal government, and it's, you know, because of the size and scope and a lot of laws and regulations that follow it, but is their adoption of clouds, you know, cloud strategies and security. So, so probably one of the things that I brought back was my understanding of how operational elements within the commercial world are able to bring their kind of, um, cybersecurity to their cloud environments a little bit more robust or quicker. That's very exciting. You mentioned AI earlier. Is there any technologies that are maybe progressing very quickly in, in our everyday lives that you think you are prioritizing more in kind of the cybersecurity realm or, or anything that is should be top of mind in the context of cybersecurity uh, in the future at VA? Um, for the VA, I, I think it's it's just like everywhere else. You know, the probably the biggest thing is what are what are our threat actors or adversaries actually using AI for? Is it to build better programs to actually use attack methodologies, tools, techniques, you know, procedures? Um, is it to emulate or script out something that can would normally take a normal programmer or adversary days down to, you know. To minutes to be able to do concentrated types of attacks or very specific types of attacks against either our network or other federal government agency networks. So, I mean, from our perspective, you know, chat GPT is a, is a large thing that, you know, we're looking at, well, it's not always used for, you know, nefarious means it's, you know, how do we want to properly use those types of technologies within our environment? And then from an AI environment for security tools, how do we use those to either, you know, quickly develop runbooks, procedures, um, as well as a common operating security picture that we can use against, you know, enhancing our security threat posture. So definitely. What would you say is like your, I guess, mission accomplished in in cybersecurity? Like what is the ideal perfect world to balance both, you know, having secure systems, but being able to bring in some of that innovation and, and technology modernization? Um, I don't know that there is an ideal perfect world in cybersecurity. Um, 
cybersecurity is always evolving, right? It's evolving as quickly or, you know, trying to stay up to speed as, you know, as quickly as our threat actors are figuring out new ways to attack us. I would like to see, you know, one of my biggest things that I, I think plagues many organizations, commercial and public, is, you know, their patching schedules, right? So one of the things I think that brings to bear is just making sure a lot of those critical and high vulnerabilities are patched as quickly as possible. The other thing is just ensuring our staff and, and teams are trained up appropriately to, you know, to take on those types of additional requirements or evolving threats or, or items that are coming down the pipe. It's, you know, we need to make sure that we're budgeting appropriately, that we're providing, you know, our veterans the utmost security with their, their data and trusting us to keep them holding onto that data. And from, I guess my ideal world would be a perfectly secured environment, you know, being able to use a very solid risk-based approach to security versus just trying to harden systems. So what can we provide that gives the most adequate protections while allowing our users, the veterans, and the data that they're using to be secure? Definitely. I think that's very well said. So last question, is there anything in particular you're looking forward to in the future, especially in the context of now being back in the federal government, maybe even beyond VA? Is there anything happening that is really exciting to you? I mean, quite honestly, zero trust is probably, I mean, it's got to be exciting for everybody, not only myself, but every federal government agency. Um, it's going to implement a lot of security around, you know, powerful ways to frame it, invest in it, and make sure that, you know, we're able to, to stay up to speed. Uh, it will actually protect our systems, our data, the veterans' data, and others, you know, other data within the federal government in probably ways that we have never thought of before. Uh, the other thing I think is, you know, enhancing protections, monitoring incident response, That'll protect our systems, data for the VA, our veterans, their families, caregivers, and survivors. And then I think the other thing that we want to really look at is refining our ATL process. We want to make sure that our systems that go online meet all the system security requirements, the operational requirements, and standards to meet and be put on our network. And then lastly but not least is we're going to continue to use Fataro as a gateway to make sure that we transform our procurements and acquisitions properly. And that will give us effective planning program budget execution while also identifying clearly who's accountable for what and if the IT project has a good plan for cybersecurity. Fantastic. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. This is a great little look into some of the cybersecurity work at VA, and I'm really glad we got to chat about it. And I'm really excited to look at what's in the future. Thank you, Amy. I really appreciate all the time that you've given me and uh, having me on your show. Thank you, Amy. That was a great chat. Very informative. Before we let our listeners go, are there any last takeaways you want to leave them with? I think 
Keeping in mind the zero trust approach that VA has taken on is definitely an influence for other agencies and how they're pursuing zero trust in their priorities. I know everyone is prioritizing right now, it right now, and we talk about it all the time, and it's a lot, but I thought it was very fascinating just to hear how VA is taking it on in kind of like this first mentality. Yeah, VA is just consistently kind of at the vanguard of all the things that we're talking about in federal IT. And in a certain way, they do kind of set the pace and the tempo for the government writ large. And there is that special salary rate that they recently introduced for cybersecurity professionals. And that was really their way of trying to get more of that innovative workforce into VA. That's always a big concern right now across government is how to recruit that next generation of talent, but not even just the next generation, but how to continue to attract a quality workforce that I feel like everyone needs right now for tech. Yeah, I mean, it's going to take a while. It is a process. One could even say, much like zero trust, it's a journey. Not a product. (laughs) Well, Amy, thank you so much. Listeners can tune in in two weeks for a brand new Cybercast. But until then, if you like what you heard, please leave a review and a five-star rating on the podcast platform of your choice. Subscribe as well. I don't actually uh, tell people to subscribe that much. If, if you like what you hear, you know you can get it every two weeks just right in your podcast feed. So subscribe. Anyways, thank you again for listening. I'm Alexander Bolova. I'm Amy Kluber. Thank you for listening. Cybercast, along with GovCast and HealthCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. If you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com.